guests. Uh, Greg Eddings and I just returned from Presbytery this last weekend, and so we had to we traveled to New Braunfels uh, for our Presbytery meeting. We're there Friday and Saturday. Um, for those of you who aren't aware what that is, it's a meeting of the leaders of the churches in our region, so Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico. Uh, so it's a lot of work, uh, long meetings, lots of listening to people speak, and uh, sometimes there are difficult matters to deal with. And so uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because there's a motion that's a little bit like Pauline, and so uh, we might not get as much uh, vigor out of you as we might do if we were Father in heaven, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you for your spirit at work in us. Just continually opening our minds to your word this morning. Speak. Father, we pray that you would work and say it would work. We would receive this word with joy and trust. We do pray, Father, that you would help us. Help us to understand the truth and not abuse it. Correct us, Lord. Help us to believe what you have said this morning so that we can have understanding and understand this all together and what you have said this morning. Help us to Not really sure what to think about Genesis one. Uh, that's okay. Some of you might have a, a more, more, uh, uh, a deeper interest in these things. Um, and so I want to present this to you just to let you know that they're out there and let you know also what our denomination, how our denomination kind of uh, feels about these different views and how we uh, how we approach them. All right. Christian theologians, and some of them uh, prominent Reformed theologians that have, their teachings have held sway in other areas for, uh, for, for years. Um, for example, as early as the fourth century, 
Augustine presented the view that God brought the entire world into existence in one moment, instantaneously. And so uh, that was Augustine's view. And some of you are familiar with Augustine. He is a, uh, he's a, a towering figure in, in the Christian world. He is one of our church fathers. Um, and so we have much to be thankful for from him. And that was his, that was his view. He thought that God must have brought the world into existence in one moment, instantaneously. And so if that was the case, that would be hard to reconcile Augustine with the 24-hour day. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, and so then as early as the 4th century, Augustine was familiar with this question and introduced others as well. Um, also, we would do well to assess these views with a measure of humility. Think about Job 38. This is God speaking to Job. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched a line uh, a line in it? Meaning, we don't fully know. We weren't there. Job wasn't there. Job has no place at Christ's feet when he laid his foundation. Uh, Job really has no place to speak back to God. This is Job. He lost his place in God's kingdom. Job was powerless. So he felt disillusionment and might have had something like that with God. He might have been there, but we don't have the right. right? And so um, we weren't there. Where, uh, where were you when I did this? We weren't there. And so we don't fully know how God did that. Um, uh, also, uh, there are other variations on these views. Um, I have, I'm not giving you the, the full, I guess, list of views. Um, there's a couple or more, I guess, you could include in here. Uh, but these particular views, I do think, provide something substantial and they seem to be held by you know, more than one person, a, a, a group of people. And so uh, these are the views that are, that are out there. Um, Vern Poitras, one of my seminary professors at Westminster in Philadelphia, he wrote a book called Redeeming the Time. And he presents some of these views as existentialist. Of the day, the first week of the week, the first week of the month, belongs to the Lord. 
this view or at least presented this as a viable Where do they get this? Well, they get this from uh, uh, from other uses of the word day in Scripture. So the word day could refer to one single normal day, one 12-hour day. Uh, you might think about Genesis 7. It says this, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventh day. Scripture uh, using the word day for long periods of time. So um, the day of the Lord might be a period of time that lasts longer than one day. Sometimes the day of the Lord is used to refer to uh, judgment that came upon God's people that lasted longer than one day. Or you might think about um, uh, Genesis 19. Um, It refers to that he is the father of the Moabites uh, to this day, right? And so that the use of the word day there obviously means this present time, not necessarily one uh, 24-hour day. Okay, and so, um, so there obviously the, we could probably all agree there's other usages of the word day in Scripture. And so that's partly where some of these uh, men get this from, that hold this view, that this, it could be possible that day refers to a long period of time. Um, now this is true, although it's not immediately apparent in some people's minds in Genesis 1 that this word designates something other than just a normal day. It's not immediately apparent that even though you can use that word in different ways, when you go to Genesis 1, it doesn't, it's not altogether clear that that's the way that word is used here. It seems to refer to a normal day. You might think about the fact that each one of the days have a number attached to them, day one, day two, uh, day three. And then there's also that formula after each day, except for the seventh day, of course, there's also that formula, there was evening and morning, day one, right? Normal days consists of evening and morning. And so, uh, th- that would be some of the pushback against this uh, view, is that, yes, you, you can use the word to refer to long periods of time. It's used that way in other places, but it's hard to, uh, it's hard to accept that that's the way it's used here. Um, although, these men would say that's certainly a
yeah, they don't use the word sunset or sunrise. Um, evening doesn't necessarily mean dark, but it, it does refer to the close of the day, I guess, or the sunset. Um, but uh, evening and morning, as far as you we can tell in Genesis 1, it's a reference to a day, a normal day, because um, that's how the normal days are referred to later prophecies that say, you know, talk about 1,500 years in the morning, they talk about that day, but uh, it's still, I mean, uh, even though they use this language of evening and morning, and it's maybe not be immediately familiar to us, it, uh, it, it still is, right? We know that each day is made up of an evening and, and a morning. Anything else? Oh, yes, Unha. Sorry? Oh, good question. So it, it, the question is, is this view that these men hold an attempt to reconcile Scripture with science? Uh, in some cases, it could be. Um, they do mention that. Uh, in some of their writings, they say, if this is the case, if the day refers to a longer period of time than 24 hours, then... Uh, there wouldn't be any discrepancy with the claims of science. So we've talked about this before. Uh, it could be that some of these men have been or were influenced by science, the claims of science, and they're, they're trying to fit that in. That is a, certainly a possibility. But they're also, some of them also are claiming biblical warrant for their views. They come, they come forward saying, I'm looking at this from a scriptural perspective. I believe in the inerrancy of scripture. I believe in the authority of scripture. And I think that this is a viable way to approach this. So that's why I'm saying we, we should have a, li a little bit of humility. Um, perhaps they were in influenced by science or whatever. Uh, can't, you know, you can never peer into the depths of people's hearts all the way, so I'm, I'm not sure, but that's a good question. Yeah, Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's exactly right. So God does not, he is not bound by time. Uh, that is something that everyone who holds, who across the board, regardless of their views on creation, would, uh, if they're orthodox, they would agree with, right? And scripture affirms that. He is not, he does not live in succession of days like we do. He just is. He's the eternal present, is what one theologian called him. So we could, I think that's uh, uh, one place, Carolyn, that, we're, that we could all agree on. And that scripture makes clear, yeah, he's eternal. Yeah. Yes, Hunt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
And that's, that's one of the arguments for the 24-hour day view, right? And we'll talk about that just now. So Han brings up the fact that every day, we, every Sunday, we, we say the Ten Commandments. And when we get to the, the Fourth Commandment, we're reminded uh, about the days of creation, right? Uh, which would uh, it sets an example for our days, which are regular days, right? And they're not long periods of time. Yeah, Don. Fourth day, yeah. Good point. That's, that's where we're headed, Don. Uh, so the question was, how do we reconcile the fact that the sun and the moon were, were not made until the fourth day, and yet we have so-called regular days in day one, two, and three, right? Uh, well, let's, let's think about that. Uh, so the 24-hour day uh, view is next. Uh, straightforward, right? These are 24-hour days, regular, normal days, uh, that were given in Genesis 1. Now, there's much to gain from this view, uh, I think, and others would agree with me, uh, have agreed with this. Um, it's simple, straightforward, very clear, right? You have a very clear foundation to stand on. Um, regardless of what may be claimed by science and you know, other sources, uh, you have this view that the, the world made everything in the space of six 24-hour days. It's also backed by scripture, which Han brought up, the Sabbath commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh, uh, seventh day, right? And so those days in creation are meant to serve as, on some level, as an example for us, right? God works six and rest one. We work six, rest one, right? Um, God creates incredible, beautiful things. In six days, he's intentional, he's consistent, and then he rests. It says something about what our lives should be like, should it, should it not, right? Now, you know, of course, we, we can't make the sun and the moon, but you know, our home is a beautiful thing, but it can't contribute to the overall well-being of our fellow brothers and sisters through our work. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, just a second, Carolyn. Let me let me finish this real quick. Um, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you speak in just a second. Um, so there's much to be gained from this. Um, it's backed by Scripture, uh, Sabbath commandment. Another advantage is that uh, the days of Adam and others seem to have a very. Uh, we're given a very distinct uh, age for them. Adam fathered Seth, or the day of Adam after he fathered Seth was. Uh, or he lived 800, uh, he 800 years. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, right? So Adam lived a particular age, which would include normal days. And so uh, he was born on day six. And so that's when the clock started ticking, right, for Adam. Because that's, that's when his birthday was. Although uh, Adam had a very unique birthday, did he not? Uh, Adam...
So um, we had a very special first year, first moments on, on his, in his life that are not like uh, the moments that we have all experienced and the first moments of our lives. And so we have to appreciate that. But we are given uh, specific numbers for ages of people, which would mean, or at least could mean, that these days must be normal days. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to count them, their ages appropriately. Um, there are a couple of issues, though. I'll just mention them here. Um, the first, and this, I think Dawn brought this up. The first is that a 24-hour view does uh, seem to require the alteration of sun and moon. Now, you think about what is a 24-hour day. Normally, your definition would be the sun is out for 12 hours and it's gone for 12 hours. The moon comes out for 12 hours, right? Well, if that's the definition, you, you can't apply that definition to day one. There is no sun and moon, or day two or day three. They're not there yet. Uh, so uh, that's one issue uh, that some folks might have uh, with that. Uh, secondly, um, the Israelites in the ancient Near East, they did not regard their day. Everybody's here yet, so we're not going to start. So, uh, the point I'm making with all that is that uh, the, the ancient Israelites, ancient Near Eastern people, did not regard their days as 24 hours like, uh, like, like we do. And so, it does somewhat force um, a view of our time back onto uh, the text. So, we have to think about that. Uh, also, the seventh day uh, in, in the first week doesn't have an evening and morning. So that, that, that would be a, a challenge for us. Um, the last thing I should mention, the last thing I want to mention about the Hebrew calendar is that it's wonderful to use as much as we can to understand how absolute it is. is superstitious in a way. It, it becomes kind of like a, 
Good point. Oh, good point. Sure. Sure. That's a good point. Sure. Good point. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Hear claims from science. You know, you, you know, gather up their things and you know, stop everything that you're doing and figure out you know how this is you know how this is wrong or whatever. Um, uh, we don't owe anything to them. At the same time, though, we don't, as Christians, want to you know just throw up our hands and say, well, we don't need to, we don't need to put any effort at all.
Ja. 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 Could be considered the day can be considered to start in the the evening, right? You think about you know it's one o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, yeah, so you're talking about the next day or you know the close of this day, right? So uh, very good, yeah, good point, Gene. Uh, thank you. Um, this the days we're given are certainly a gift uh, from God. Um, last view um, is the framework view. Um, I would add to this the analogical day view. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but the last main view that's start, had, I guess it's starting to gain steam recently um, with some writers in the last hundred years or so. Um, it's called the framework view. And what it says is um, that these days are not literal days. Um, that this is something that happened in history, that God created heaven and earth, of course, but the way in which the record of the creation of heaven and earth was done in a literary, a particular literary format, a framework. Right? Even, um, I think Augustine mentions a, a framework in his writing. So um, this, this view is not too far removed, I think, or could, couldn't be... Uh, could be not too far removed from Augustine's view. Um, and so uh, these writers would place uh, the days of creation a, a, and say, uh, these, aren't, these aren't literal days. Um, this is uh, something other than just normal day one, day two, day four, five, and six. Um, we don't know what it is exactly, but we're given the event of creation in a, a framework that we can understand a literary framework. And so uh, uh, one of the things they, they propose is, you know, in, in the first three days you have uh, spheres or kingdoms and then God begins to fill those spheres. So, you know, you have day or light and darkness and then on day four you fill that, those areas with the sun, moon, stars, and you have earth and you fill that with all the vegetable. Um, and so they would hold it as some kind of literary
seems to indicate that it's about to talk about Adam presently and what happens to him after. So in the first few verses after that, it goes back to Adam. And so it talks about his birth. It talks about, uh, or it talks about his creation. It goes back in time. And scripture does that sometimes. It'll say something, kind of go back in time because sometimes there's an overlap that happens uh, when, you're, when you're reading some parts of scripture. That's, where they, that's partly where they get some of this from. It could be that God is simply just overlapping, uh, or not God, but um, Moses is simply overlapping the record of, of what happened. You know, these, aren't, these aren't normal days. These are, these are something other than normal days. Um, now, uh, one issue with that is that it, if you do hold the framework view, it, it seems to reduce the days to like three or even one because I think uh, we're told that it was made in six days. So that might be an issue. Um, uh, the other issue is that it might be easier to say, well, if this is framework, then why can't Matthew be framework when it's talking about Christ and his ministry, right? And so that, those, are, those are some of the issues there. Um, lastly, and I'll, I'll stop with this, but lastly is the, the analogical day view. And that's, that's where Poitras lands, uh, Vern Poitras, who wrote this book, Redeeming Science. Um, he, he pretty much lands there, although he, he doesn't hold to it dogmatically. He just says, I, this is what I feel most comfortable with. The ana- analogical day view says that these are, um, these are normal days, but also unlike our days. And so they're days that are real, but they're presented as an analogy for us in our days. Um, now, one of the reasons that he holds that is because um, there are some very unique features in the first week of creation, right, that don't happen later. For example, the sun and moon not existing for three days, Adam being created immediately as a full grown, mature adult, Eve being created immediately as a full-grown adult, and not from the womb, but from Adam's rib. No other person was was consummated until Adam. And so, um, that's why he tends to land on this analogical day, because things don't happen in patterns on the day. And God knows that certain things